retard budget. Republican crackhead. For a podcast. Republican crackhead. Different book club. Republican crackhead. He worked Ronald Reagan and he loved crack cocaine. Good evening. My name is Justin Comer. This is a special presentation by Rock Hard Caucus for the Diamond Heart Caucus subscribers. Available now at patreon.com slash rockhardcaucus. Or wherever your local podcasts are sold. Yes. Brick and mortar Patreon kiosks. <laughs> Set up at your <laughs> local local mall where all the moms are jogging these days. And that other voice you hear is my friend David Clare. Hello. No one asked for me. I did. <laughs> uh, no one of worth asked for me <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome i apologize nothing good good uh david and i are getting together to discuss a book that i recently started reading uh if you've been listening to the show for a while you may be aware of a series i did a few months ago it's part one of a larger mega series let's call it that i read a book called willie wilden by joseph dobrian and the larger umbrella over that book review series is the Dobrain Book Club, mm. with the implication being that I will later read more books by Joseph Dobrian. But the book we're about to discuss is not by Joseph Dobrian. Oh, it's not? It's not. I felt like I wanted to do another book review series, but I didn't want to read another Dobrian right now. <laughs> yeah. There's a plethora of minds that are very suspicious and what the hell are they thinking yeah yeah and so i guess yeah dobrain's just a small fish in a large pond <laughs> or i guess a large fish in a large pond right yes <laughs> he's, a, he's a large man is what i'm trying to say <laughs> so this is this is a separate series entirely and this is called so the other one is a dobrain book club this one's called different book club Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have trouble when people are trying to, like, search your, ana- your acronyms. You got your DBC and then your DBC. Mm-hmm. But uh, first up for the different book club, I'm going to be reading Republican Crackhead by Todd Blodgett. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if ever there was somebody worse than Joseph Dobrian, I think Mr. Blodgett passes that bar yeah you may recall him from rock hard caucus episodes 22 23 and 40 uh 22 we read an article by him in the des moines register defending michael bloomberg's record on stop and frisk that was the episode where we talked with carrie hernandez and uh the the episode following that 23 is where i realized i should have looked up who todd blodgett was before bringing him up on the show And that's where uh, we learned that Todd, he worked in the White House, and then he owned a neo-Nazi record label. (laughs) Now, I know it's really not a big deal nowadays, but once upon a time, being (laughs) a worker in the White House was something a bit more prestigious. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And not just (laughs) who you know. And then following his his time owning a neo-Nazi record label... That's a phrase I'm going to be using repeatedly <laughs> as we discuss this book. Um, he then became an informant for the FBI, you know, spying on the white supremacist groups that he had been 
working with voluntarily in the years prior to that. A real catch-me-if-you-can situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then in episode 40, uh, we discussed a recent piece of his where he, uh, I believe the headline was, Kyle Rittenhouse, hero or vigilante? <laughs> Answer neither. <laughs> so that that tells you, uh, you know, how Todd has made a name for himself as not being a neo-Nazi anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was the one that actually brought that article to you, and it's, upon reading it, Maybe one of the single most revolting things I've ever laid eyes on. Truly horrible, yeah. That was one of his pieces that was just too disgusting to be printed in the Des Moines Register. Mm-hmm. So it, it was uh, published at NorthIowaToday.com. And in fact, uh, I have something else to start off today's episode uh, from NorthIowaToday.com. And uh, it's it's a book review. Okay. Somebody actually took the time to review this book, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you may recall in the the Dobrain series, the last, the Willie Wilden one that I did, I started every episode with a review of the book. Well, they're not as plentiful for this one. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because I, I guess Todd Blodgett is a man that you'd think would have a, at least more of, I don't want to say a following, but like he's done more with his life. Then Dobrin, maybe? Yeah, I would assume that he has more uh, more things that he would consider accomplishments <laughs> in his... <laughs> yeah, he'd have a longer Wikipedia article, i.e. a Wikipedia article. <laughs> he does, actually, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Uh, yeah, so there's only two Amazon reviews of this, and then there's this one in North Iowa Today. And uh, yeah, he seems to have a weird relationship with this news website, it's based in like the Mason City Clear Lake area, which is where Todd Blodgett lives. I think that's where he was born. He hails from Clear Lake, as far as I know. Okay. And yeah, they they tend to print his uh, worst opinion pieces. And yeah, if you search his name on that website, uh, you'll find a lot of weird stuff. So how much of that is that the website posts just terrible, horrible shit? Or how much of it is just... He's actually somebody of notoriety who comes from <laughs> that area. I think he's personal friends with the person that runs this website. Okay. And that person either agrees with all of Todd's horrible opinions or is, I guess, apathetic towards horrible opinions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is, uh, I will preface this by saying it is a positive review of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I guess these are the more fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is there a name on this? Yeah, Matt Marquardt reviewed it. He's Marquardt. The, yeah, Matt Marquardt. <laughs> Mar- Marquardt. I've heard that in real life. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he's the guy that runs this website. Uh, oh, okay. Iowan <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Todd Blodgett's newly published memoir, Republican Crackhead takes readers on such a wild ride that it epitomizes the adage, the truth is stranger than fiction. (laughs) Wow. So far, if you had uh, replaced the title with The Da Vinci Code, I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. (laughs) What he survived isn't merely surreal. It's an amazing, true-life adventure that even the most imaginative screenwriters in Hollywood probably couldn't invent. Because <laughs> is there anything more unbelievable than the Reagan administration? <laughs> I can't think of one. <laughs> the most imaginative screenwriters in Hollywood probably couldn't invent, even if they tried. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a irrelevant clause. Like, you would assume they're trying, given the rest of the sentence. <laughs> 
right? Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Republican crackhead opens with Mr. Blodgett's idyllic upbringing in North Iowa, where his Republican parents were extensively involved in public matters, including GOP politics. Go figure. Yes, it's a family tradition. As an 11-year-old, Blodgett became friends with J. Neil Reagan and his wife, Bessie, who, like the Blodgett family, vacationed at Clear Lake's Outing Club. By 1976, the Reagans had introduced the 15-year-old Blodgett to Neil Reagan's famous brother, then-California governor Ronald Reagan. Okay, a real, like, grassroots story here. A man (laughs) from nothing, just up and coming into government. This friendship eventually landed Blodgett a position on Reagan's White House staff following his graduation from Drake University. Immediately, wow. Actually, they said eventually, not immediately. Oh. I wonder if he covers the years in between. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Yeah. Blodgett later worked for the first President Bush and the Republican National Committee in Washington, D.C. Good on him. <laughs> Nothing's fucking changed since since the 80s. <laughs> this memoir then takes a dark turn. <laughs> oh, then. Then takes a dark turn. Okay. <laughs> it was all roses and unicorns before this. No darkness involved in the Reagan and Bush White Houses. Nope. No wars, no mishandled pandemics, no unnecessary like criminal laws passed, and just fantastic stuff. Our best years. Mm-hmm. This memoir then takes a dark turn, as during the Clinton years, Blodgett, who admits to having been greedy and opportunistic, <laughs> agreed to represent the neo-Nazi profiteer Willis Carto and his racist empire of hatred of which the Liberty Lobby was its flagship. Hmm. Initially, Blodgett's D.C.-based advertising agency sold ads for Cardo's publications, but by 1996, he began raising funds for Cardo's various organizations, which included a Holocaust denial group and assisted Cardo in laundering multiple millions of dollars. (laughs) I uh, don't feel like I have to read the book. That was pretty much, like, (laughs) everything I need to know. Yeah, yeah, he keeps giving more and more details. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if, it's, the, if a dis, it's a disclaimer or what, just like, all this bad shit, but it's it's dark, I'm saying it's dark, therefore it's okay, whatever I do, because I acknowledge that there was this little brief moment when things yeah. got bad. Yeah, and this is stuff that we covered, you know, very briefly uh, on the follow-up episode where I realized who Blodgett was. Yep. And we'll get more details as I read the book. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in this review just to, you know, not restate the same facts over and over. We'll surprise the listeners <laughs> just how dark this thing goes. Yeah. Complicating matters. Blodgett in late 1998 began smoking crack cocaine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, have, couldn't have guessed that from the title of the book. Nope. And in early 2000, was recruited by the FBI to work as a full-time paid informant. Okay. Uh, I'll skip a little bit here, but I will say that the reviewer here refers to what Blodgett was doing for the FBI. Uh, He says, his James Bond-style work continued for nearly three years. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine that man with, like, wearing a cream-colored suit? With like a little gadget on his on his watch that shoots out poison darts, just like putting all the Democrats to sleep. I can't imagine the cream colored suit because that's the picture that they use of him in the Des Moines Register. That's one thing 
<laughs> I'm set, one of many things that makes me feel good in life that I'm not as pale as this man. If you look at pictures <laughs> of him, like I never go outside, especially with COVID-19. I don't get that vitamin D. You know, you could say that I need more D, but this guy is still paler than me. It's yeah, he's, it's impressive. He's, honestly, he's he has a rather ghoulish appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. N- not that that looks really dictate how a person behaves, but no. That being said, this guy's a piece of shit. So <laughs> this unique memoir, while dark, is often hilarious. <laughs> I'm still chuckling about how the ever-resourceful, loquacious Blodgett somehow managed to talk his way out of what would have been a violent beatdown by some rough black thugs who found out that their fellow crackhead owned the world's most profitable racist record company. What? Oh, is this the uh, the origin story of the, the record label thing? Well, this is after he became the owner... And I guess he encountered some, this is the reviewer's words and not mine, some rough black thugs. (laughs) Who are up to no good. (laughs) And uh, yeah, Blodgett apparently loquaciously talks his way out of getting his ass kicked. A a deserved ass kicking, you know. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure it's exactly how it went down. Yeah, I'm sure that it's... uh... It's recalled very accurately in the book. Mm -hmm. This author's close encounters with drug pushers, junkies, white supremacists, and other societal misfits, and the FBI agents, and Republican senators, and congressmen, are absolutely fascinating. I guess that's one sentence that this reviewer got right, is to lump all those different things (laughs) into the same same sentence. Yeah. I mean, in order of, I guess, least bad to most bad. Put the drug smugglers on top. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely fascinating. This is absolutely fascinating. So fascinating. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He knows Ronald Reagan. We already know that. <laughs> Here's where it gets... This is the kind of uh, information that you'll only get out of a book review from NorthIowaToday.com. All right. It's no secret to many North Iowans that Mr. Blodgett, who is a well-known gun nut and an NRA life member... Legally carries a loaded handgun. (laughs) He has been accused, perhaps rightfully, of being somewhat trigger-happy and has resorted, at times, to gunplay. (laughs) Wow. That puts things very lightly, indeed. (laughs) Just uh, Really gotta work at that. Just to peek at the local reputation of Todd Blodgett. Just a little bit of gunplay. Boys will be boys, you know. Police reports in at least two Iowa communities state that Blodgett has brandished his gun. On one occasion, this occurred while he was being robbed, and another time when physically threatened. Mr. Blodgett has acknowledged having done so and is still allowed to carry a firearm, per the concealed carry permits that he holds, issued by two states that NorthIowaToday.com knows about. Okay. (laughs) We at this publication have received phone calls from irate North Iowans who accuse Blodgett of pulling his gun on them, (laughs) which Blodgett unapologetically confirmed were factual accounts. You don't have to say that in the review. (laughs) (laughs) What good comes from that? This is all very relevant to the book. Okay. (laughs) A few years ago, North Iowa community activist Peter J. Children... I did a little head cock there. You didn't. You didn't hear it, but no. I I often derail the show laughing at people's names. 
Yeah. It's <laughs> sometimes it's just warranted, you know. Peter J. Children, community activist, uh, wrote a column in which he described Todd Blodgett as a quote gunslinger. <laughs> <sighs> But as this memoir reveals, Blodgett, after being mugged in D.C., began packing heat in the nation's capital, where carrying a firearm is strictly illegal. Okay. This brazen attitude towards laws he opposes is not one of Todd Blodgett's better attributes. In fact, he actually writes, I'm not saying everyone should carry a gun and threaten violence to resolve differences with troublemakers, but it's worked well for me. He is a small dick. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. <laughs> He's taking a page out of Hunter S. Thompson's book there with that quote. Mm. I don't remember the exact Hunter S. Thompson quote, but it's something like, I don't recommend uh, drugs and alcohol and guns or whatever, but they've done well for me. Something like that. Okay. These troubling views aside, Blodgett deserves credit for being forthright and sharing this story, warts and all, which is truly an incredible read. <laughs> <sighs> so... They're saying, like, yeah, this guy, like, I mean, he's a total scumbag, (laughs) threatens people with guns. But we can all laugh about it now, right, guys? But this book is great, and also I let him write for my website all the time. (laughs) (laughs) He uh, he draws those clicks, so keep doing what you're doing, Blodgett. You're (laughs) you're really helping out the commerce in Mason City. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'll skip a little bit more here because he divulges a little too much of the plot again. I'll end with this. Disclaimer. As the publisher of NorthIowaToday.com, I am personally acquainted with Todd Blodgett. While I do not share his arch-conservative pro-Trump political views, I have consistently found him to be highly intelligent, straightforward, knowledgeable, and consistently honest. While I don't share those views, I do share those views (laughs) with the world. (laughs) Yeah, I do... uh, I mean, here's a link to his latest. (laughs) I don't oppose them. I just give him a platform that he needs to hold all the power. (laughs) Few people who have been so directly involved in as many nefarious things as Mr. Blodgett would even ever wish to admit to such, let alone write a book detailing them. In my opinion, Todd Blodgett deserves commendation for writing such a compelling, enlightening memoir. Republican Crackhead proves that sometimes those who can admit they were wrong are in a good position to help set things right. <laughs> mm. Again, it's the whole, everybody come together, let's put the past behind us, we need to <laughs> mend our differences. On our scale from 1 to 10, Republican Crackhead has earned a 9+. plus. <laughs> <laughs> so not quite perfect, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to expect, but, I mean, if I have, take this guy at face value, this must be a very good book. You can't mm-hmm. wait for the, the thrill ride of this man's life. Yeah. Starting yeah. on the top and then hitting rock bottom and then getting right back up there. Second chances. From the author of Kyle Rittenhouse, Hero or Vigilante, we bring you Republican Crackhead, an addict's life in the FBI and DC's hoods while inf- while infiltrating haters. That's the subtitle that I promised you I would read. <laughs> oh, I thought that was like the entire insert of the book. <laughs> No, that's the cover of the book. Jesus. Yeah, and I kind of fumbled. It's longer than a dissertation. I kind of fumbled there when I read it. Let me give that one more pass. Okay. Republican crackhead in addict's life in the FBI and DC's hoods while infiltrating haters. Oh, my God. By Todd A. Blodgett. Oh, my God. The A is for Aryan. 
<laughs> Accurate. It probably isn't, but I don't know what his middle name is. Alvin. <laughs> Alvin. Alvin! <laughs> you know what you're signing up for with this book, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to read a book about a man and his inner thoughts of what he might do if he had his way. This is a guy who's actually like done all this irreparable harm to society. Right, yeah, to make a direct comparison to our, our previous book review. Right. I so far so I've read okay, let's let's get into the book a little bit. The reason I had David on for this first episode is because I showed him this book when I acquired it some time ago. And uh our immediate first observation is that this book has four separate introductions. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I promptly forgot. I kind of saw this thing and then put it out of my mind forever, but yes, <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. that now. Yeah. And uh so for today's episode, I I only read the four introductory chapters. <laughs> <laughs> so what? That's like a page each, right? Uh it's in total it is uh 18 pages of introduction. What what what? Before we get to chapter 1. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh your you notice this first, the first chapter, it's the foreword to the book. And how how do you spell forward? F-O-R-E-W-A-R-D? Is that how it's actually spelled? I think, I think like the foreword to a book, it's F-O-R-E-W-O-R-D. Like it's okay. the, the word before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Forward word. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's not how it's spelled here. It's spelled like forward, like the direction. Get it? Because his life <laughs> goes forward. Ah, taps brain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if it, I don't think it's intentional. <laughs> I think it's just a misspelling. <laughs> I'm uh, giving the benefit of the doubt, yeah. which I will promptly stop doing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've got four introductory chapters here. We've got the forward. We've got a prologue. Uh, then we have an introduction. And then I'll, I'm going to save the title of the fourth introduction until I review it for you. But w- one other observation from the table of contents here. After the introductions, we've got chapter one, chapter two, you know, mm-hmm. the chapters and their numerical order. <laughs> yep. Uh, there are no page numbers next to them. So <laughs> it's, the table of contents is literally just a list of the chapter titles. Yeah. Unless you have any little tabs in the book to take you right there. Mm-hmm. That's inconvenient and uh, none of them have any subtitles except for chapter three which is subtitled enter the fbi <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a list chapter one chapter two chapter four chapter five chapter six cha- very you know informative list of things and everything is capitalized properly except for chapter 11 which is uh, 11 is all lowercase interesting the reason i'm hammering on all of this is of course just I don't think an editor looked at this or possibly another human being. Yeah. I mean, I guess in this way, you're getting the raw thoughts of, of Mr. Blodgett himself. <laughs> Nothing, nothing's toned down. <laughs> this uh, harkens back to the uh, two-part Stephen Ardry episode I did with Evan and Tony. Yep. Just, uh, you just hammered out this stream of consciousness and then justify having no editor by saying, hey, these are just my raw thoughts, man. <laughs> this is a little bit longer than that, though. <laughs> You're getting the real shit. How long is this book, Justin? Um, well, my <clears throat> electronic copy is 546 pages. Holy smokes. <laughs> Which I think is 
longer than Willie Wilden? I don't remember for sure. Which I compared to uh, the Ulysses. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> right. It's, it's it's approaching that level of length. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm going to tell you about the forward now. Okay. Blodgett lists a bunch of incidents of racist violence from 2016, Dylan Roof, to right before this book was published. And the most recent example he includes, this was published, I believe, in March of 2020. The most recent example of an incident of racist violence is the guy who stabbed a bunch of Jewish people in a rabbi's house during Hanukkah of 2019 outside of New York City. I don't know if you recall. I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blodgett also mentions that drug addiction has risen in recent years. And I've got a quote here. (laughs) I decided to change up the format a little bit. I'm going to be reading quotes in the middle of my summaries, so it's a little bit less disjointed than the okay. Willie Wilden review. I'm excited for all the facts and figures that he uses to support that claim. Yeah, yeah. So he mentions that drug addiction has risen in recent years. He says, uh, deaths caused by illegal drugs ranging from cocaine to opioids to crystal meth to heroin have affected, directly and indirectly, hundreds of millions of people worldwide. Whoa. <laughs> All of those pauses I included are commas, so it's a a strangely structured sentence. Fantastic. Also, heroin is an opioid, but I assume when he says opioids, he's referring to, like, pills. Sure. Uh, Also, uh, Blodgett was an FBI informant. He informs us of that in the foreword here. Uh, He says, I admire and respect the dedicated rank-and-file FBI agents I worked with and their colleagues. However, the Bureau has rightly come under fire since 2017 for partisan, wrongful, clandestine bias. <laughs> okay. I uh, I mean, I guess I don't disagree, but to yeah. some extent. He's coming at it from a certain angle. <laughs> yeah. Not what he means. Yeah. These three subjects, uh, the racist violence, the drugs, and the FBI, are related, you see. The FBI investigates both drugs and right-wing extremists. And Todd, the Republican crackhead, the titular Republican crackhead, is an expert on all three subjects due to his life experience. And I've got, a, I've got a quote here from him, another one. After all, defeating an enemy requires knowing that enemy. Mm-hmm. So he, he, knows, he knows the drugs, he knows the racism. He knows the FBI. Yeah, he's not really painting the FBI <laughs> as, an, as an enemy exactly yet, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> Uh, He does not mention in this foreword that before working for the FBI, he was a willing participant and promoter of the hate organizations that he was later paid to spy on. (laughs) Hmm. I assume he's uh, reserving that bombshell to drop on us later. Yeah, it would turn some people off if they actually knew the things he did. Right. He's going to try and be coy about it until the last possible moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can know that he was a Republican. We can know that he was a crackhead. (laughs) Yep. But that would be a step too far. Uh, If this forward is any indication, we are in for a rough ride. The racist violence, uh, the the incidents are recounted in seemingly random order, with the paragraphs about drugs and the FBI also inserted arbitrarily amongst these incidents. So when I was like recounting what the chapter was about to you, I gave them to you. I gave those ideas to you separately. I presented them as three distinct ideas. Yeah. But they're all kind of blended together. In the forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the they're not in chronological order like the racist attacks. They're just sort of like 
I don't know if it's just like as he recalled them, <laughs> he threw yeah. them into the narrative here. The most important part of my life, I guess, would be the racial violence. And then, <laughs> yeah, FBI stuff. Racial violence such as uh, the time in 2018 or the time in 2017. <laughs> At that point, he would not have been an FBI informant, right? Uh, no, I think he only like officially worked for the FBI for three years in the early 2000s. Okay, so that stuff doesn't matter <laughs> uh, in, the yeah. scheme of his, in the scheme of his life. Yeah, not particularly. Yeah. Also, it's interesting that Todd, a loyal Republican and Trump supporter does not even mention Donald Trump's name when discussing the rise in racist violence from the year 2016 to present. No, it's all it's all independent of that, man. It's Yeah, it won't even bring it up uh to deny that there's a correlation. Just uh completely <laughs> ignores any sort of relation. You know what it is? It's all the education that those those liberal agenda colleges are are bringing to the the, the kids. <laughs> That's what's causing it, man. When I when I called uh, Blodgett a Trump supporter just now, uh, you may have recalled earlier when I suggested uh, searching Blodgett's name at NorthIowaToday.com. That's something I did prior to putting my notes together here. Todd, he gets involved in the comment sections of his own articles. Okay. I guess that explains the hater part of the title. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's, he's really He's web savvy. About. Yeah. <laughs> On a recent article, there he left a comment indicating that he believes joe biden won the 2020 election due to mass election fraud so he is admitting that he won right but he only won because of cheating yeah which has not been justified in any courts (laughs) no i mean i you know i would rather no one had won that election but i i would say i don't believe mass voter fraud is the cause of joe biden's election yeah man Having just listened to your episode from the day after the election, yeah, there are some fresh wounds in my brain. <laughs> I'm a little bit behind on Rock Hard Caucus is what I'm saying. I did uh, listen to the 50th, though. Congratulations. Oh, Thank you. We've reached the milestone. Yes. Oh, yeah. There are a, a few things here that I pointed out that I will address outside of my summary. Uh, I'm looking at page nine here. So I read this quote for you already when he referred to rank and file FBI agents. Okay. Uh, In the following paragraph, he includes a sentence. Had the late Charles Darwin met some of these rank-and-file racists, he might have reconsidered his theory of evolution. Gross. (laughs) So it's it's a diss on, uh, you know, white power guys, but also rank-and-file used basically twice in a row there. Mm -hmm. No editor, no editor. Uh, On the following page, he refers to the El Paso shooting, in 2019 uh, that occurred at a Walmart, I believe. Yeah, that was the one where uh, shortly afterwards, Beto O'Rourke became a super like anti-gun guy in his short-lived primary campaign. Mm, Right. That guy. (laughs) Uh, In August 2019, a white supremacist gunned down 46 shoppers at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, killing 22. Prior to perpetrating this carnage, the 21-year-old shooter posted a 2,300-page manifesto to a racist website and elsewhere online. Um, So that number (laughs) really jumped out at me. Did this kid really write a 2,300-page manifesto? That's, yeah, that's a dictionary's worth of stuff. So I looked it up, uh, and every source I found 
indicates that the El Paso Shooters Manifesto is a mere five pages long. <laughs> <laughs> 2300 words letters yeah when i i slipped up uh, like a minute ago and i said 2300 word instead of page maybe that's what he intended the other the lack of an editor thing right yeah i mean that huge number would have jumped out to me i would have verified that if i had if i had been reviewing this before publication yep but yeah maybe he meant 2300 word manifesto that seems a bit a bit long for five pages but i don't know those estimates off the top of my head so that oddity aside what's the context for bringing this up um there isn't too much context like i mentioned that he brings up all these different incidents and that's basically the extent of it he just writes like at this time this person did this horrible thing also uh people are doing meth and doing crimes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah he he's just listing all of the racist things that have happened and it's just to say like uh my point of view and the things that i have done with my life are relevant in today's society or is he also saying hey i'm not going out and shooting anybody so <laughs> right? in, in comparison i'm a i'm a saint yeah i'm not as bad as these fellows yeah i don't i don't kill anybody <laughs> yeah uh and then shortly after that um he mentions A 19-year veteran of the St. Louis, Missouri Police Department, Sergeant Heather Taylor, revealed that there are numerous white supremacists serving on that city's police force. CBS News correspondent Jeffrey Peggs, who interviewed Sergeant Taylor, cited several racist Facebook comments posted by police officers currently serving on the St. Louis force, some of whom were suspended. Good. And this just made me laugh because he spelled Facebook with a capital F and a capital B. (laughs) Very Mm -hmm. (laughs) old person way of referring to that uh, social media network. The blog Facebook. And, you know, pointing out racist Facebook comments. Given Todd's extensive record, uh, he's not too far off from these people. His thoughts are much more organized in (laughs) essay format. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got some good ideas. It's just, just don't, don't, don't listen to them <laughs> and act accordingly. Just just keep that racist thought in your hearts. I can't justify this, man. These are simply thought experiments. Imagine, if you will, white people running the world. <laughs> Seems crazy, right? I'm not saying we should do anything about this. I just happen to think certain types of people deserve less than me. Science is impartial. and then here's just a little anecdote about uh todd's life in small town iowa a north iowa friend of mine asked me to attend worship services at the mason city synagogue he attends and wanted me to be armed uh this is is in 2019 that this happened fearing violent hateful anti-semites he wanted protection i readily agreed to my friend's request as it happened some local law enforcement officers in north iowa provided the protection I told the head of the synagogue to contact me at any time, should a need ever arise. <laughs> so this man, it seems, is partial to vigilantism. Oh, oh, the gunslinger, as he was referred to in a local paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, I don't know if there's perhaps a bit of a guilty conscience, <laughs> given his history, but also he thinks very highly of himself, apparently. Mm. Listen, my Jewish friends. Should you ever need protection, my blade is available. (laughs) Ah, yuck. I already don't like this. (laughs) He's the protector. 
the Dark Knight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's the Dark Knight of Clear Lake, Iowa. Mm-hmm. More of a White Knight, though. I think he thinks of himself as a White Knight. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move on to the prologue. Okay. This is uh, subtitled Prologue, May 2006, Washington, D.C. Is this about how his parents grew up and conceived of Todd Blodgett? Uh, he's a little bit older than 2006. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I ignored what you were saying so I could say that. <laughs> I, I, I was just had in my head, how did his parents get it on? I couldn't hear anything else, I'm sorry. <laughs> his parents actually uh, do come up in this chapter, though, so you are okay. a, a little prescient, yes. Great. First observation, I'm not entirely sure why this is separate from the foreword. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. But but Blodgett tells us about when he was sentenced to jail for cocaine possession in 2006. His parents were both working for the George W. Bush administration at the time, and Todd was also living in D.C. Uh, he gives us a bit of his resume, but again, he's skipping over the part where he willingly worked with white supremacists before he flipped to the FBI. And uh, yeah, he says here, I worked on the staffs of Ronald Reagan and the first President Bush and for the Republican National Committee. During Bill Clinton's last years in office and for the first two years of George W. Bush's presidency, I worked for the FBI. You may have noticed a bit of a gap in that resume. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Clinton administration was eight years, so... What happened in the earlier Clinton years, you might wonder. (laughs) I do. Well, I don't, but I do. (laughs) Uh, Later on that page, he says, After going from the White House to the crack house... It was now off to the big house. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's so proud of that one. Yeah, clever. He wanted to put that up front. That's why he has this prologue. (laughs) Um, On his bus ride to D.C.'s Central Detention Facility, Todd has a conversation with another inmate. And this was, I'll say this is significant enough that I'm going to read most of it for you now. Fantastic. A young black man sitting next to me said... Yep, I, I, I was waiting for, okay, here comes the token black friend. Uh, he knows, therefore, everything he says is okay. Uh, you may come away with this with the opposite impression. <laughs> okay, I'll hold my tongue, I'm sorry. Continue. A young black man sitting next to me said, I knows who you is. Oh, no. Yeah, it's written like that, okay? Uh I figured he'd seen me in the D.C. hoods, buying, using, or delivering drugs. I remained silent as he said, Y'all be going down, light skin. Hmm. That's how people talk, right? Y'all be going down. Light skin. (laughs) As he was also handcuffed and shackled, I didn't fear him. (laughs) His eyes narrowed to a thin slit as he spoke. He said I had pulled a gun on his cuz. Cousin. Yeah, we couldn't have figured that out for ourselves, Todd. <laughs> Thanks. Cuz, that's slang for cousin. I'll just get, <laughs> define that for you. Y'all ain't gonna like what us, N-word, does to yo white ass when we in lockup. Daz for real. My homies be there. I'm saying. Just for the listeners, uh, after every one of these snippets that I read, I am holding my eyes in my hand and looking towards the floor. <laughs> I feel yes. a lot of shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was afraid of is you have to preface like every sentence with these are his words, not yours. Yeah. <laughs> these are his words for uh a a black person next to him on the way to jail. Who does not get a name? Uh he didn't name him, no. So <laughs> nobody can disprove this statement then. Yeah. And I I said N word 
Um, I'm not going to say the word itself, but he does spell it out in the book uh, with an A, not with an ER in this instance. I, I, that may change later. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so the guy's threatening him because he has friends in the jail that they're going to. If this mouthy punk was representative of the welcoming committee awaiting my arrival, I'd be about as pleased with being incarcerated as Hillary Clinton is with Jim Comey. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Already a dated reference in early 2020 when he was making it. (laughs) Yeah, them N-words. He warned, they gonna be helping me settles with y'all. Mm-hmm. I ain't playing cracker. He then said that an already incarcerated friend of his, a fellow named Quantarius. Ooh, Greek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much would you bet that he made this name up entirely? Uh, I'm going to Google search it right now. Q-W-A-N-T-E-R-R-I-U-S. Q-U-A-N-W? Sorry, Q-W-A-N. Oh, so this is just like him sliding his fingers across the keyboard. Yeah. Quant- <laughs> doesn't doesn't after the T I lose any sort of Google results. Yeah, he's just like being racist, making up what he thinks is a black name. Yeah. <sighs> Gross. My cousin Cordius. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, Quantarius would send your white ass straight to hell. I had pulled guns on some people who had tried to rob me or cause me or others physical harm, and squeezed off rounds to scare them off. I'm all for innocent citizens preventing being victimized by violent perps, and a loaded gun is highly persuasive. I looked him straight in the eye. Be careful, punk. (laughs) I I warned. Do dat be a threat? He asked. Again, a real person talks like that, I'm sure. (laughs) My buddies on the outside, I replied, have friends on the inside. You're not the only dude on this bus with homies. <laughs> Mess with me, and my homies will go on a little hunting trip. I'm gonna get pardoned in two weeks from the president, <laughs> and then Dick Cheney's gonna shoot your ass by mistake. <laughs> It'll be open season, no limit. <laughs> Hell yeah. He looked away briefly and said, Break off that shit talk. I said, I'm not shitting you, asswipe. Keep threatening me, and you'll be what breaks like your jaw, teeth, your arms, legs, and neck, just for starters. That shut him up. <laughs> so how old is Todd Blodgett at this point? In 2006? 2006. He's got to um, be like... Uh, I actually, I looked it up. I believe he was born in 1960. So he's 46 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like right on the edge of you're not fooling anybody with that talk, even <laughs> if that's exactly what he said. Yeah. How old was uh, Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry? Because that's what I'm envisioning here. Clint Eastwood's always been 70 years old. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm doing sort of a Batman voice, but I'm I'm seeing Dirty Harry in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like John Wayne too. Yeah, yeah. And the similar similar uh, actions in life taken, I guess. <laughs> That's how he sees himself. Yep. Uh, if you enjoyed the way that Todd wrote that particular black character, you're in luck. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, on page 19, he says. The hillbilly dialects of some of the white racists I encountered, as well as the ghetto slang of people I knew from the hoods, is left intact. So we can look forward to plenty more back-and-forth discussions like that, I'm sure. Great. (laughs) For every bad white person, there's a bad black equivalent. Just all the same. No, No differences. No context needed. 
<laughs> uh, Todd laments the situation that his addiction has put him in. Why hadn't I listened better when Ronald Reagan said to just say no to drugs? <laughs> uh, sidebar, I'm looking at the picture of Todd Blodgett with Ronald Reagan, and I hate it because he kind of looks like me. The one on the cover of the book? Is that the one where he's got like their his arm around his back and yeah 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 he kind of looks like me yeah i mean you guys probably have similar like ethnic backgrounds i don't like it (laughs) well i mean you know in my experience uh david clare is a a much kinder and more reasonable person (laughs) than my impressions of todd blodgett so far thank you justin i appreciate it Uh, And in the present tense, uh, Todd credits his time in jail with convincing him to get and stay clean. He brags a little bit about the media attention that he's received in recent years as an expert on hate groups. Uh, And he, in this, what was this? The the prologue. uh, He refers to his, quote, years as an opportunistic profiteer. Mm. So, so far, this is the closest he's come to discussing his pre-FBI occupation. This is one of the worst possible things is that this guy went through the prison system and thinks of himself as being totally reformed and and better in mind therefore the judicial system works so he's going to do everything he can to propagate it yes absolutely like i hate it he was being taken off to jail in a bus while his parents were working in the white house he's not going to have the same prison experience absolutely not as quantarius you know Yeah. Okay, here it says, In October 2017, my answers to a Huffington Post reporter's questions about Republican Roy Moore, the GOP nominee for an Alabama U.S. Senate seat, were consequential to Moore dropping five points in the polls against his Democratic opponent. I'm sure. (laughs) It's all you, boy. Yeah, I don't know what you recall from that election, but uh, I think there was something else that may have overshadowed Todd Blodgett's comments in the Huffington Post. <laughs> I did look into it a little bit though. Uh Roy Moore received a donation in 2005 from a nonprofit founded by Willis Cardo. Again, Willis Cardo is the racist guy who uh I think owned the neo-Nazi record label before Todd acquired it from him. A guy that he worked pretty close with for a number of years. Ugh, I don't like this. Everything is so <laughs> deeply embedded. This is like as bad as your uh your Pizza Ranch episode. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's all it's all a big uh, cartel, if you will. So I guess Blodgett attributes uh, Roy Moore's loss, Senate loss, to his comments about this Willis Cardo donation from 12 years prior to the election, rather than the pedophilia allocation. <laughs> Man. I remember seeing news about one of those two things. Yep. I, I don't think I recall NPR talking about 24-7 Blodgett news. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, at the end of the prologue chapter, Todd encourages us to contact him via his website, which seems like uh, an odd thing to include in the text of your book and not like on the jacket or <laughs> something. I guess, he, he, yeah. Wouldn't he at least assume you bought the book, so you were already, I guess, aware of him and providing him financial compensation? Like, what more can you do for him? Feel free to contact me via my website, www.toddblodgett.us. There was one thing I wanted to point out here that uh, wasn't... uh, I couldn't include it in the summary without going off on a tangent, but uh, 
the first page of the prologue, he says, the DC Corrections authorities exchanged my seersucker suit for an orange jumpsuit. Listeners to the Willie Wilden review will recall that I don't really know what seersucker is as it came up in the previous book. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I, uh, I don't know. I guess I would have associated it as close to an orange jumpsuit already. <laughs> Not knowing any better. Maybe it's just something on the Sears discount rack. I don't know. <laughs> Sears, that sucker. <laughs> yep. The real Sears suckers are the uh, the stockholders at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Should have invested in GME. Come on. <laughs> okay, moving on to the introduction. <laughs> when does the book start? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. <laughs> doesn't make any sense when does the book begin okay the introduction though uh this takes place in clear lake iowa in early august of 1972 so so far we're going in reverse chronological order okay if you had asked me which part would have started at the start of his life i would have probably guessed the prologue yeah it means literally the same thing (laughs) okay so todd tells us about when he first met ronald reagan's brother neil in 1972 at the South Shore Outing Club in Clear Lake, which was also mentioned in that book review. Todd was 11, and Neil was 63, and the two became good friends. Ew. They discussed politics, just the two of them, for over an hour, after Todd mentioned seeing Neil's brother, uh, again, Ronald Reagan, who was then the governor of California, on the television. I think that's normal. We're going to pamper this boy from a young age. <laughs> a 63-year-old and an 11-year-old, uh, not uh, related by blood at all, discussing politics for over an hour. <laughs> Just the two of them. Yeah, gross. What is your opinion on trickle-down economics, little boy? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in 72, they probably weren't using that term yet. No. Uh, Todd remained close to Neil for the rest of Neil's life and met Ronald several times because of that association, which eventually led to Todd working for the president, Ronald Reagan, starting in 1984. But then he got into drugs. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, This intro chapter, like the two intro chapters preceding it, ends with a statement similar to, this is me paraphrasing, This book, Republican Crackhead, is a true story about how I was a a Republican and then I did drugs. (laughs) (laughs) So the impression I'm getting here is that he's written, he wrote three different versions of an introduction to his book, and then he just included all three. (laughs) He couldn't choose. (laughs) Because they cover the same ground using different anecdotes to get there. Yeah. And they all end the same way. Like, this book will be about me and what i did in my life it's like the uh the cue so mad for some reason i remember that it's like how you start in essays you can start it with a quote or oh right 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 like a description or an anecdote he just chose all of them <laughs> let's just do one of each that's right man yeah cue so mad that's that's an acronym i haven't thought about in a very long time yeah I don't know where that came from in my brain, but there it is. <laughs> the D, I think, is definition, and it's at yep. the end because it's the worst way. <laughs> yep. Webster's Dictionary defines drugs and <laughs> the FBI and racism. As... <laughs> okay, so the introduction, that was a short one. That's only like a couple pages long. So after that, we get uh, a, a section titled, Chatting It Up with Ronald Reagan. 
Oh. And here I'm imagining like a early 90s sitcom music. Chatting it up with Ronald Reagan. It's filmed in front of a live studio audience and we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> and it's only possible due to viewers like you. Tropicana juice. <laughs> so, chatting it up with Ronald Reagan. This is a fourth introduction to the book Republican Crackhead. Wait, you mean he actually like was able to interview Ronald Reagan for this book <laughs> shortly before its 2020 publication. <laughs> That's right. Wow. A, a seance occurred. <laughs> that would be a fun book, but no. It would. If Mr. <laughs> Reagan were alive with us today, I think his opinion on the current situation. <laughs> he happens to agree with everything Donald Trump does and says. Nancy and I <laughs> would love the things he does. Close the borders. <laughs> Instead, though, uh, Todd recounts a boring conversation that he had with Ronald Reagan in the Oval Office in 1981. This is while Todd was attending Drake University. It was so boring that it stuck in his brain 20x years later. Yeah, uh, though, I, though I found it boring, I did learn that Reagan went to college in Eureka, Illinois. Is this something that you knew? Um, yeah, I did recently go see a drive-in movie in the town where Reagan grew up. Okay. I forget the name of it, but it was it, it is in kind of western Illinois and Right, I guess it's probably not that far from you actually. Yeah, they they love him to death there. It was a city that I couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty small place, right? Yeah, and just a few thousand, I think. Yeah, he went to Eureka College, which is a pretty small school. Graduated in 1932, which seems like ancient history. Good lord. <laughs> like Reagan graduated college before World War II. Did we know what cells were back then? <laughs> Uh, so after he graduated, Reagan hitchhiked to Iowa and worked in radio in the 30s. Ooh, he's a precursor to a certain Justin Comer. <laughs> yeah, I hitchhiked to a radio station, and that's how I began my podcasting career. <laughs> I.e. Ashley drove you? <laughs> he worked for WOC in Davenport and then moved, oh, on. Man. <laughs> moved on to their uh, parent company, WHO, in Des Moines. Uh, Reagan also dated some girl that uh, is not, or at the time of this conversation in the 80s, was now friends with Todd's parents. <laughs> so while Reagan was in Iowa, he dated a girl that was connected to Blodgett's family. Mm, small world, question mark? Right. I mean, that seems to be the whole point of this <laughs> chapter. Uh, it's sort of Todd saying, wow, I'm meeting the president. <laughs> Look how connected my family is to the president and Republican politics in general. I measure how great I am by the people that I associate with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Todd clearly had a, a deep affection for Ronald Reagan. There are multiple references here to how intently Reagan was listening to him and uh, remembered like little like details about stuff that Todd had been studying in school. Todd was physically impressed with Reagan's, quote, full height of six feet, one inch. I, I'm six foot. I don't know. It's well, not that impressive. Ronald Reagan is one inch better than you. <laughs> uh, and this section ends with a quote from uh, the girl that Reagan had dated that was friends with Blodgett's family. And that girl said that Reagan's mind was like a steel trap. <laughs> It's where things go to die. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I, I highlighted a, a few little things here. Just like tiny, tiny little mistakes that irk me that just 
indicate repeatedly, like, no one looked at this before Blodgett sent it to the Amazon self-publishing. <laughs> okay, hit me. All right, so he refers to Ronald Reagan's Oval Office, uh, not capitalized, just Oval Office, all lowercase. Okay. So he's talking about just an office that is oval and not the Oval Office. <laughs> of course. Everybody has one. Yeah. Uh, when he talks about hitchhiking, he says that he hitchhiked to Iowa with a hyphen, and hitchhiked is just one word, no hyphen. And maybe once upon a time it was back in the 30s, but <laughs> not no more. Back in my day when I was hitchhiking. Back when Myanmar was Burma. <laughs> Eureka College. Uh, college is not capitalized. Okay. That's belittling to his own institution. When Reagan's talking about his early radio career... He was broadcasting from the Hawkeyes home games, and he says Hawkeyes apostrophe S, home games. Like singular. (laughs) Yes, the Hawkeye and his home games. Yeah, I don't like that either. This is just a stupid one at the end of my page 25. uh, Moon and Lou Wasserman got me to host the the GE Theater, talking about his, like, TV. His, he had like a brief TV filmography, but he just says host the host the twice in a row. That's this is my job, all right? Yep. I'm I'm going to pick this little thing <laughs> apart like a crow. I'm just gonna rip its guts out on the highway. A better educated man wouldn't make these mistakes. <laughs> um, on page twenty-seven, he just interjects in the middle of this, uh, all caps. Author's note, <laughs> years later, while I served on his White House staff. Why is this an author's note? Like You're this the is, author. Everything's is, the author's note. It's all coming from your perspective. This is all first person. <laughs> you would, you <laughs> would say that to break up a, a quote from someone else, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all that I highlighted there. So, you know, I, I just want to give people a good impression of, of what I'm looking at here. <laughs> It's not professional text. No, no. Not only do you have to wade through the terrible, terribleness of... Yeah, it's just... Okay, so two two problems. And, you know, given my experience on this podcast, having... I, I went real deep on the Joseph Dobrian book, Willie Wilden. So I'm directly comparing this to that. And it is, one, not written as well. And two, this guy's a worse person than Joseph Dobrian. Yeah. As I said before, Dobrian keeps it in his pants. Well. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there, there are things about Dobrian that I feel some sort of like human connection to. Like he's, uh, he has a creative impulse. He's writing a novel. Like he, right. And he writes about music a lot. Like he clearly enjoys like human pursuits. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, as, I guess as much as we, we belittled him at the time, right, and rightfully so, yeah, he's he's got pursuits, and I can't add to that sentence. I don't really have anything else you <laughs> could say about him. but <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, though I find him pretty loathsome in the way that he writes about other people, like, there is a little bit of it where it's like, yeah, he's writing about his own failures with relationships, and you can kind of, you can sympathize to a point. Yeah, you can connect the threads, mm-hmm. and... He didn't, yeah, I guess he didn't get any, everything handed to him on a silver platter in the way that it sounds like Blodgett did. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, with, with this so far, it's just like wall to wall, like, I hate everything about this guy. <laughs> like, And he, he thinks very highly of himself, despite 
writing about the, all the awful things he's done. <laughs> uh-huh. And he justifies it by saying, here's or, or like saying, you know, white supremacists can be bad, but <laughs> other side can be bad too. And yeah, I just don't like those, those both sides are wrong sort of things and not putting any more context behind that. Mm-hmm. And all of my, my years working for the like Lee Atwater era Republican party and my subsequent years <laughs> working with, literal neo-nazis all that was i mean i made up for that i worked for the fbi for three years like i I, did my time (laughs) and therefore yeah the the judicial system works and it should be good if anything we should strengthen drug control laws and (laughs) reagan was a war on drugs guy too yuck that's true yeah 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 he went from working for the reagan white house to being addicted to crack yeah well, I guess he, I mean, he got out of it unscathed because <laughs> he knew the right people. Because his name wasn't Quantarius or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the drug addiction is the most sympathetic part of this guy, but he only portrays it really as like one dark period of his life where he was undeserving of any grace. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be curious as to what brought him to that lifestyle choice. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe I, he truly was down. Maybe he was just so upset that a Democrat was in the White House that he had to consort <laughs> to drugs. And anyone could do that. I have read comments from him in other articles where he talks about his like crack cocaine origin story, but I'm not going to spoil that now because I assume he will get to it in the book. And while I'm on the subject of things that I assume he will get to in the book, I have collected uh, a series of like his own articles and other articles where he is mentioned. And these are things that I feel I have to bring up at some point, but I'm saving them to see if he brings them up first. (laughs) So depending on the content of this book, we may get an extra episode at the end. (laughs) You did fill me in on one of them, which I greatly look forward to if it gets to that point. It's... I am guessing he won't touch it, but... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're we're being cryptic, but folks, there's a major story to look forward to at some point in the series. Yes. But I think for now, that's a thorough enough review of the four introductory chapters to Republican Crackhead. For the review, which is very comprehensive. <laughs> right. I don't yeah. feel like I need to hear any more, but <laughs> yet I am very intrigued. Yes, the only positive book review that exists for Republican Crackhead was a good way to pad out the episode length for <laughs> this first episode. <laughs> yep, we've hit one, the one hour mark, so the content <laughs> has been fulfilled. Yep, and I... My current plan is to do nine episodes based on the content of this book. So next time I will be discussing chapters one and two. <laughs> you really have me on the edge of your seat there. Are yes. we going to read this out of order? Like, <laughs> is it like the uh, like the Phantom Cut of Star Wars, where you actually it's so scatterbrained that if you like jump around, then you actually get chronologically what happens? Yes, the um. Oh shit, I can't remember his name now. Oh, Topher Grace. He he gave me like a more a better sort of cut of the book. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a nice guy. Or are you thinking of uh the the watch order of the movies? I can't remember what that's called either. Like the hatchet uh, method I, or I something. I thought it was called Phantom Edit, but I could be wrong. Phantom Edit I think is Topher Grace's re-edit of the Phantom Menace. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, the one where they cut out all the crap. Yeah, he know. he like edited out a bunch of the like comic relief or something. Right. All of his Hollywood friends say it's a very good recut of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. 
clearly <laughs> I know so much about this stuff. I, <laughs> I brought it up for a reason. Yeah. And then the other thing I'm talking about is like, I think you watch the movies, like you watch episode four, five, and then two. Yeah, that's three. not chronological. So that's backwards of what I was even getting at. You're right. Actually, yeah, yeah. Watching the real movies in chronological order is not chronological. <laughs> yeah. The edit I was referring to, I think, is what, two, four, five, two, three, six? Which, yes, yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, four, five, two, three, six. It's it's so, like it's like the Arrested Development season four remix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I have not watched. I did. They they cut out the one appearance of Anyang. That pissed me off. Really? That's yeah. too bad. That's the only thing I remember. We're getting off onto various pop culture tangents, so uh, <laughs> I think I think that's a good place for us to stop talking about Todd Blodgett and go on enjoying our lives with our other human pursuits. That's right. Knowing that (laughs) reading more of the book is looming on the horizon. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, thanks for, uh, for inviting me, especially in episode one. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for joining me again here on the rock hard caucus, Patreon. I think you have not yet actually appeared on a free episode of this program. (laughs) I have not. (laughs) I don't know if I deserve it. I don't have the most coherent political opinions. This is the premium shit, though. So this is like the the elite listeners get to hear from David Clare. That's right. I don't come cheap. (laughs) The peasants who only hear the free episodes have never heard of you. (laughs) That's right. They don't deserve it. You got to pay for David. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening. And thank you for giving money to this project. As I say... Every time I do a Patreon episode, it's very kind of you to do so, and I will continue to record long episodes about horrible people writing horrible books that no one should care about. <laughs> You're referring to the Sonic comics, of course, right? <laughs> no, those are great. Those are <laughs> the pinnacle of fiction writing. <laughs> oh, whoops. I've been taking the wrong message from those. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye. And good luck. Good luck.